Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey everybody, welcome back to Spear Factor. Uh, pretty special show today. I team up with Brad Thompson from Orange County uh, OC Spiros, and also John Stinstrom from Cast and Spear to speak with Miss Diane Huff, who is the widow of Ryan Huff, who drowned last year, opening day of lobster season. And the reason for us trying to get together and speak um, is basically we're trying to gain um, attention to the issue of free diving and the classes and trying to get more people trained in order to prevent and limit some of these injuries uh, or accidents and deaths from happening. So I hope you enjoy the show. And um, if you'd like to give, there's going to be notes uh, in the show page there where you can go to Diane's Fund and try to donate. Uh, and again, that money will go to free diving classes for uh, new and old Spiros such as myself. All right, guys. Take care. Hey everybody, uh, welcome back to uh, our special little uh, meeting of the minds, shall we say, here. Uh, I'm Brett from uh, Spear Factor, and we have John from Cast and Spear, Brad from the OC Spiros, and we have Diane Huff, who some of you may know her, some of you may not, but um, her husband uh, died in a spearfishing accident. Uh, last year and we really want to have her on and bring attention to what she's doing trying to take a, a, a negative and turn it into a positive and hopefully save uh, more lives or at least make diving safer as best as we can so welcome to the show everybody thank you for having me um yeah we were joking we were, we were joking ahead. that this was like the uh, the triumvirate of some socal spear fishing communities it's, it's pretty cool to have all of us here together at the same time and by the yes. way you don't don't overlook diana is a is an oc spiro as well so we, oh, uh, okay yeah she's gonna be the lobster queen <laughs> of, uh, i'm working on it i'm working on it 
I'm getting there. O October 3rd, she'll get her chance. October 3rd is my birthday too, so it's gonna be quite a year. <laughs> awesome. Nice, that's legit, that's awesome. Diane, do you wanna get started? What, you know, tell your story and then also, um, you know, a little bit about what you're trying to do? Yeah, um, definitely. So, um, well, first, thank you for having me. Um, and I'm excited to tell a little bit about Ryan and all the good that's going to happen from his tragedy. But um, uh, let's see, Ryan was always an adventure guy. Um, I mean, he did everything from ice hockey to bow hunting. Um, I'm leaving out a million things, paintballing and golf and just any hobby you could have. <laughs> um, he was into it. And um, about four years ago, uh, we went to Kauai and uh, he got a three prong, was out with his dad and my brother-in-law and he was hooked. I mean, he got a little manini, I think his first fish. And uh, I remember get, he got a few of them and we went back and made little, the tiniest fish tacos. Um, but ever since coming back from Kauai, um, when we got back to California, um, he was hooked. I mean, right away, he, he sold his motorcycle. He, <laughs> he did all of this stuff so that he could get a, as much fishing gear as possible um and so from that point on i mean lobster opening day was untouchable for me <laughs> um he ended up getting a fishing boat i mean he he was in it and just his love of the ocean i mean he grew up kind of over by lake mead um he grew up in utah for a little while and did a lot of snowboarding and um he's always loved the ocean um we had a big reef tank at home for a long time and um but once he was in it and for him to be able to catch the food and bring it home uh he was so excited um just you know, and I didn't mind the lobster or, you know, the sashimi either. So, um, you know, but uh, on September 28th uh, last year, so opening day, you know, he left in the morning and, and he didn't come home. And, you know, just every, probably <laughs> every wife's biggest fear when their husband's doing something, you know, that it involves maybe slightly more risk than, you know, your average, you know, golfing. I, I wish you stuck to golfing sometimes, <laughs> but, um, you know, I, he left at about 4.15 in the morning. Um, they were gonna get out to Laguna. They wanted to be in the water at 6 a.m. right when it started. And um, one, of, one of the dive partners was sick and couldn't go. So there was three of them together and they've been diving together for the last three years. And um, I got a call at about, I think it was six, like 6.54. Um, and I missed it at first, I was asleep. Um, and then I called back a few minutes later, just saying something's wrong. What do you mean something's wrong? Um, my initial reaction, I thought, oh, he probably banged himself up against the rocks. He needed stitches. He was in the hospital for stitches all the time. And I was annoyed initially. I'm like, oh, I gotta get up. I've gotta go down there. And um, I had no idea. I had no idea what I you know, was into. Uh, he was a very athletic, capable guy. He um, you know, he took this sport seriously, he was certified, um, and he was really good at what he did. I mean, um, Ryan and my two sons would practice uh, breath holds in the jacuzzi in our backyard. It would drive me nuts because all three of their heads are under the water for long periods of time. And um, man, my little three-year-old's going, they still do that and scare me. But so on my way to Laguna, I had to go to Mission Hospital I heard uh, that he was unresponsive. And when I heard that, I knew something was really wrong because, you know, Ryan was MacGyver. He could get out of any situation. Um, you know, he was really, really talented. And I'm thinking, there's no way that that, that wouldn't happen to him. Um, but, you know, when I got down to the hospital and, you know, they, they let me know that they just said, 
you know, his heart wasn't beating when he got here. We, we couldn't do anything. And, you know, just everything changed in that moment. It was, um, it was intense. I almost didn't believe it at first. I'm thinking, no way. Um, but through all of this, I mean, my initial thought, you know, he, I kiss him goodbye in the morning and I see him, you know, cold and blue a few hours later, it's, it's just unreal. But, um, I, I knew immediately that good needed to come from this. I couldn't, you know, he's not going to die. And then it just goes away as some sad, tragic story. Um, I wanted to enhance his love of the ocean for my kids. Um, I want them to grow up with the ocean, you know, as he intended. And I think people just, they really need to know the situation and understand you know, just have that risk on the forefront of their mind. I, I know that, you know, there are many ways to mitigate the risk, which is, you know, kind of what we are here to discuss a bit uh, along with our memorial fund. But um, yeah, I, I want people to learn from this incident and whether he did things right or he did things wrong, I think it needs to be out there. Um, and I knew that from day one. So I'm so happy to get to meet up with you guys and that I've uh, become an OC Spiro. <laughs> Um, and I do, I'm going to get certified as well, and I'm going to learn how to do it so that I can teach my kids also so that I can be a part of this initiative. And I'm lucky to have the Spiros uh, backing me up so that we can make a lot of good happen from this. My condolences, first and foremost. And I wanted to say, I, pretty, I pre really do appreciate how strong you are to be able to face and like go head, head strong right into what, you know, took his life and then do it for yourself and then inspire your children to do it as well. I think that's huge and shows thank your character. You. Thank you very much. Yeah, definitely. Likewise. Um, that was the first thing I actually was impressed with, <clears throat> excuse me, hearing you talk, um, having been around people before that have lost. I mean, definitely um, for you to be strong and face the reality and then do something positive with it says a lot to your character. So thank awesome. you. Thank you. It's a, it's a lot. I mean, that's how Ryan was. And I thought from, from the get go, um, you know, I, I need to, to, you know, honor his legacy. And I mean, he was the kind of guy, I mean, definitely, I mean, he, he pushed things. I mean, he, you know, he had his lobster limit and he saw a sheephead. He's like, I want lobster dinner and ceviche sheephead. You know, I know that's what he was thinking. Um, you know, I, I, I know exactly what he was thinking. He saw one, he's like, I'm going to get that too. Um, and, and that's how he was. And he always was successful. I mean, well, nine times out of 10. So, uh, but thank you very much. And yeah, like I said, it's just, it's for my kids and it's for him because, you know, he was a strong, a strong positive guy, just like that. So, so Diane, we do really appreciate um, your story and you're going to start this fund. So I'm really curious, uh, Brad, what is this fund that you guys are working together on? Yeah. So when, um, when Ryan passed, um, you know, and talking with Diane, one thing she kept saying is that she wanted to remain in the community and she wanted to be involved, you know, as um, in Ryan's memory, just to, you know, to, to sort of help keep that alive uh, within her, keep his memory alive. And so as a club, you know, we were trying to f think of ways to make good out of a very bad situation. And, um, you know, it's always been a personal goal of mine. I mean, we've all talked before on, on both of your podcasts about how important safety is to me and, and how I'm, I've been trying to bring, you know, as a director of the OC Spiros, 
and trying to um, instill that in the club. And so then uh, I started thinking, you know, as I was at Spear America, you know, I'm, I'm there often and every, you know, you can tell when there's a new guy or a, a more salty guy or, or, or girl and, and all the new people when they're saying, oh, what kind of, you know, should I buy, buy those $700 fins and should I buy this $2,000 gun? And, I, and my answer is always, no, you should go buy that FII course or, you know, you should go find a PFI course. It'll change your world. And, um, you know, it's, the, the response is always, yeah, I will. And then they see the price and they're like, oh, I can't afford that. And then they buy their $2,000 gun and their $700 fins and, and they go along their way. And so that always, that always really sort of stuck in my, my mind. Like, how, how can we solve this problem? And knowing Diane's desire to stay in the community, stay, stay in the group, stay um, associated with the OC Spiros, I thought, well, what a perfect opportunity to take that financial barrier away from people, especially the newer divers, and, um, and replace it with, you no longer have an excuse. Here, you can come take this course. Or you, you now actually have the ability to take this course, even though you may have a financial hardship. So we created the, uh, the OC Spiros Ryan Huff Memorial Scholarship Fund as a means to support that. It is primarily a need-based fund. So we have an application process that will ask questions uh, about why can't you just pay for this on your own? And really that is to support our local instructors. We understand that our local instructors do it, you know, many of them do it, not necessarily as a primary source of income, but definitely, definitely as a necessary source of income. So we don't want to take away from that pool of people who could afford it anyways and keep the instructors you know, financially viable. If they're not making any money, they're not going to be able to continue teaching and keep bringing this, this safety information to, to our region. But we do want to be able to get those people that could never have afforded it anyways, still through the course. So we set a goal this year that for, before the end of the year um, to do everything we can to raise $5,000 to support that. Uh, we, we set up a GoFundMe and uh, we've already raised somewhere just over $2,000 there through generous donations uh, throughout the spearfishing community, our own personal networks. We've had tons of shares, social media shares of it throughout the community. So as that word spread, we got lots of donations for that. Diane and, and Fernando Gutierrez will be working on interfacing with our, the club's uh, you know, huge network of sponsors for donations that we can then bring in uh, to either auction or raffle. And, and we currently have a raffle scheduled for November 5th for products that they're going to be bringing in. And all of this is to, to raise that money to get people, people certified. How many people can be certified with the 5,000 goal? Well, yeah. So if you were to take the retail value, which is what it's like 350, 375, I think. And then when you put on top of that, the trip to Catalina, uh, that's another 75 bucks. You know, it's 425. So you would think somewhere in the 10 to 15 person range. But at the same time, in addition to raising funds, we're working directly with the certifying agencies and the, the instructors and working with them to push the price down. And so as of right now, with we've had the three, or th excuse me, three of the Orange County instructors have each donated a full course at their cost. Uh, which is eight students per instructor. So there's 24 students there. Uh, we have a Long Beach instructor who has uh, donated four seats in a class and a San Diego instructor who's donated four seats in a class for the same structure, basically to cover their cost. Uh, Diane, you know, grabbed the bull by the horns and called, so she called the Cat Catalina Flyer and even the Cat Catalina Flyer generously cut their price in half. So ultimately what this gets down to is once it's all said and done, we have 32 spaces 
at essentially break-even costs for everybody who has to come out of pocket. Um, and to cover those 32 spaces, we need to raise somewhere north of $3,800 to pay for all those. So we're very close, we're on our way, and with a goal of, of $5,000, we should be somewhere there just over in the mid 40s, being able to support that many divers that couldn't have gotten that, that class before. That's pretty awesome. I mean, when you consider our community as a whole is pretty tiny, and we all, I mean, our community is what we make of it, and we all step up together and take care of each other. That's pretty awesome. I mean, 24 classes, and then, you know, with, you said the Catalina Flyer cut in half, that that's that shows you just how tight our community is it's it's pretty i mean i like to applaud the whole community for that that's pretty awesome and um where if someone wanted to donate you know and give to this cause how like what are the different options how do they do it how do they get more involved i guess diane why don't you tell them about the the t-shirts that you've created that that's one source that they could do yeah so um Ryan lived in his anything spear related shirts. Um, I mean, Spear America was on repeat, <laughs> um, you know, a few others. Uh, he loved anything with ocean stuff on it and that's all he would wear. And at one point he said, you know, we should do some shirts or something. He, it was like a casual conversation. And once this got started and the idea for the fun came up, I thought I want to contribute personally. Um, and I, luckily I have, Ryan's brother is in the clothing industry. Um, so we kind of put our heads together and um, came up with a t-shirt company called 779 Spearco. And it's a few different designs, um, you know, inspired by Ryan. And um, it's going to launch hopefully on Monday. And all the proceeds from that will go to the Memorial Scholarship Fund. So whatever that brings in, you know, we'll go straight to that. And um, there's also the GoFundMe, which directly just goes straight to the OC Spearos. Um, and we'll be donating towards that. And then the raffle on November 5th will also, you know, as, as I contact sponsors um, and, you know, people donate different items that we can raffle off and auction off, um, all of that money will also go to the same scholarship fund. So um, it's going to come in from a few different directions, and I, I think it's going to go really well. Yeah, the OC Spiros is, um, we're run and operated by 100% volunteer work. So uh, none of the directors, none of the committee members, nobody gets a dime out of the club. So 100% of the funds that we raise go to uh, the initiatives that we're doing. So, so you, you know, everybody can rest assured that this is strictly for, for the fund. Everything that you're donating, you know, aside from Visa or MasterCard or PayPal, who's going to wet their beak, uh, everything else is going directly into this fund. Now, is this only open to OC Spiros or anybody in any club or anybody who's doing spearfishing in Southern California or California? No, this is an OC Spiros um, only initiative. Ultimately, at the end of the day, we're a 501c3 nonprofit. So everything that we do uh, to support the community and the club is done uh, from donors. So our members are basically our main donors. So yes, we do want to get you this, uh, the certifying level but if you're not already a member you know we still need that support to operate we need that membership fund to be able to operate to be able to give you that opportunity without without that we don't exist at all uh to be able to create something like this for those who don't know how did how do they sign up or what what does it involve signing up for the oc spiros oh it's it's easy uh you just go to ocspiros.org and there's a membership tab on top and it's a very short form, you know, name, address, couple questions about yourself, and then you sign up uh, right there. So for the people who 
you know, maybe it's been hard to, you know, find justification to do a FII or a, any kind of training. Cause I know Brett, you were spearfishing for 20 plus years before you ever took a training class for those guys who, you know, are in the older demographic, more of the salty dogs. What did you learn when you did? You'd think with four of us spread out on a tiny Island that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing. But as I've learned, no matter where I've been, Whitetails can be damn tricky. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Um, your class. So um, for me, I had a lot of background in diving from work and rescue diving, doing rebreathers and things like that and as far as the rescuing process when someone blacks out it's very similar to when we have someone unconscious obviously while diving the main thing while why i, I did it was to you know it, it's like anything when you think that you know everything you just stop learning and you know what maybe maybe i, I just kind of swallowed my pride and what I found out was really funny was that diving wise, free diving wise, that was pretty bad. But I, I did learn a few things and, and I'll be totally honest, you know, I was doing Valselva for 20 years. And then the guys were like, Frenzel, I'm like, well, Frenzel, what? if it ain't broke, why fix it, you know? And it took me like three months to Frenzel and then it was just like, you're an absolute moron. You didn't like, Wow. Okay. So as far as that, like just learning that in itself, and, and, and I was never really on social media before all of this either. So that didn't help, but like that right there was worth it. And it made it so much more enjoyable. And then all of a sudden you're going deeper, more comfortable, basically more comfortable. And then you learn about like efficiency, you're diving better. And again, you can learn some of the stuff by reading a book and like, okay, but more importantly, you know, for the older guys, number one, it's an excuse to go like practice diving. Number two, you might learn something, even if it's about 2%. And I'm sorry, as long as I'm going forward, I'm going in the right direction. And, um, you know, I'd say it was worth it for me. I mean, my course was 350. I did it in Guam because I was there for work. And uh, it was great. I don't regret it. And the cool thing is, yeah, I can share that with other people, but you can educate other people on it and you can encourage them. And then you get the community aspect. And when you get the community aspect, now you're diving with guys like-minded that know, right? And so you're all on the same page. And so you know what a motor, uh, a loss of motor, motor skills are, MCLC, whatever it is. And then you know what like someone looks like when they're coming up and they're about ready to, to black out or if they do black out. You've, you've repped it, you've rehearsed it, and you've seen it, and you've sat down and like actually been structured, uh, you know, like instructed on it. Like I have through my work, but I, I think I'm kind of unique because I was in that situation um, for work and it, it happened to me at work one time. Uh, but I think for a lot of people, even if you're older, like you don't really know what you don't know until you just swallow your pride and just check it out. Who cares, you know? We're supposed to be doing this for fun, not we shouldn't be dying. And not only that, like we shouldn't be like making it, it, it sure is a lot more fun when you can enjoy the dive. I, it took me 20 years to enjoy the dive and I really uh, equate that to this, the free diving course that I took. 
that's about the long end of it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of people who are intimidated by the course too, because you know, like, like the FII will uh, FII course level one will certify you to 20 meters, which is 66 feet, and to a three minute static breath hold. Well, people hear that and they think there is no way I'm getting 66 feet, and there is no way that I can hold my breath for three minutes, and that turns them off and just says, well. I can't do that course because I can't do those things. And so they never even attempt it. Well, what people need to understand is the course certifies you to those levels. So you don't need to make it to the 66 feet. You don't need to make it to the three minute static breath hold. But what you do need to do is, is you'll learn the techniques to be able to safely do both of those things. And as long as you can, you can demonstrate that you can do those skills, even if you don't make it to those specific milestones, you will pass the course. And Exactly like Brett said, I mean, I had the exact same experience when I, when, when I took my level one. It gave me a level of comfort in the water, both comfort at depth, it gave me a level of comfort uh, you know, within my breath hold. And the biggest thing, the most humbling thing about taking a course is when you leave and you now have that knowledge that you didn't know you didn't have before. And you know, like Brett said, you know the signs and symptoms of an LMC where maybe you wouldn't before. You know the signs and symptoms of somebody who's about to black out, and you know what to do with it. And the best thing about it all is once you're, you're certified, any instructor is going to welcome you to come back in their class while they're running a class and get more reps doing it. That is just something that will happen, that you will be invited to. So it's not just like you take this two-day course and then, all right, good luck, hope you remember. You now have the opportunity to keep practicing it over and over again as many times as you want. In a community like Brett said, like-minded community who is interested in practicing those things with you that you're interested in practicing. Brad, uh, are you, are you leaning towards in the future having a fully certified Spiro club here in that's Southern always, California? Yeah, that's always been my personal goal with the club. I mean, as we all know, we're the largest club of this type in the world. And then to be able to put that feather in our cap that says, and by the way, a hundred percent of us are, are free dive certified. That talks to a level of seriousness of how we take not only uh, the safety of our sport, but the efficiency of our sport. I mean, once you're certified, you just are a better diver. You have the skills to be a better diver faster. Like, I'm not going to say that you're now a better diver than somebody who's been in the water forever, but you've got there faster. And um, for me, I, I mean, I think that, that that would be the greatest thing that this club can do. We've, we've been around for 10 years. The greatest thing that we could do would be to reach a goal of 100% certification. As we grow, we're growing every day. I mean, every single day we get new members. Uh, year round, we get new members every day. So if we can continue to gain membership and have all of those people certified, that would be groundbreaking in, in the global community of, of uh, spear fishermen. Brad, that's a good point though, what you said as far as getting better faster. And I can attest to this firsthand. I mean, I felt like I was in a bubble for the first 15 years I was diving. Never on social media, no network. I just had my buddies from work and we went out and swam around the kelp bed and see what swam in front of us. And in the last five, I mean, literally that was it. I just enjoyed being in the water. I didn't care. The last five years, the learning curve has been pretty much like vertical just when meeting everybody and staying humble, like you're saying, and going places and realizing like, hey, I don't know everything. Um, teach me. I'll be a student. Um, and it's great. And then it's good to take that knowledge and give it back to everybody. But like, I wouldn't have that knowledge. And I don't think a lot of, of us would if we hadn't just put it out there. And so all the pride and, and do exactly what you're saying. I mean, 
it's just the learning curve is just real steep at that point. So I love it. Yeah. Yeah. John, you just recently within the past couple of weeks took your level one, isn't that correct? Yep. I took it with yeah. Calkins. Yeah. I mean, what do you think like before and after taking it? Well, when I first got started, the old guard that I kind of was hitting up on, on social media would tell me, don't take the class because it'll make you too confident and you might put yourself in a bad situation. So I took that advice. You know, I basically was like, I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to kind of stay within my 35 feet depth and kind of just see what comes my way. But it wasn't until going into the OC Spiros and then kind of, you know, having Jeremy be like, all right, let's do it. Let's go. And then I did it. And I'm like, wow, I'm glad I did it now because everything's going to compound over time. So I'm glad I got the knowledge earlier versus the opposite, right? Which is Brett seeing all this vertical growth, you know, 20 years later, I can have a little bit more of a gradual arc um, earlier. So I, I thought it was amazing. I, I enjoyed it. Um, I had a good time. Well, and think about, think about that, that logic from, you know, the, the old guard that you're talking about. What are they actually saying? They're saying, don't go get certified because it'll make you too cocky. All right dig into that statement. How else do you learn? Is it by trial and error? What does trial look like? And what does error look like? Like, I'm sorry, but in my book, those, those are two unacceptable things. And that is just somebody who's trying to be a tough cowboy. All that they're doing is trying to, to, to put forth some sort of cowboy mentality to the young guy. So the young guy will look up at him and say, oh yeah, that guy's a badass. Well, all that guy is doing is telling you to, hey, get in the water and go figure it out. And by going and figuring it out, it's continue to do what's working for you and don't do what's not working for you. But that thing that, that's not working for you could kill you. So it's, it's just, it's, it's an entirely asinine. And, you know, anybody that follows the uh, OC Spiro's Facebook page will see me having this debate at least five or six times a year with, uh, like you say, some of the old guard. And, and I just, I will not back down on this. It's, it's a ridiculous statement. I mean, that to me, and, and, I, and I, may, I may not make too many friends off this, but that's right up there with that ignorant statement of, I don't know that shit, I'm keeping it real. Like, don't educate yourself so you can keep it real, real dumb. I mean, you know, like, okay, cool, dude, but I don't understand how, the whole point of this life is to progress. You have to progress. Like, well, maybe I'm just weird, uh, A-type personality, but like, in order to progress, you can progress really dumb, or you can be stagnant, or you can progress smartly and with an education, some sort of education, to where you get where you're going in a safe manner. Like nobody just wakes up and dives to 150 feet. Like I sure as hell don't. I never have. Um, but that's base. I I don't I don't really have anything positive to say about that. And I understand where people are coming from. I get it. But I mean, my the whole thing is to get better. And get better safely and get better as a community and the only way you do that is i would like to be aware i wouldn't want to stick my uh, face in the sand i'd like to be aware of what the dangers are yeah i know there's great white sharks out there okay uh that doesn't mean like oh i'm not going to stay out of the water because you know then i could go in the water and spearfish and get eaten by a shark okay whatever it just doesn't i don't get it um i think about some of the messages learned in the military and try to apply that same logic and there'd be a lot of really poorly trained people that's all I got to say about that, I guess. Well, also, there was a time early in my diving 
where when I saved my buddy at the rigs with the uh, shot water blackout, the only reason I knew to even stay and knew that he was about to black out was because I watched the free Ted Hardy uh, safety video where he at least put like a video of what a loss of motor control looked like. And I saw it and I was like, oh shit, there it is. And I was there to, to save my buddy. But to be honest, it's like, if I didn't have that, I might've just been one of those dive partners who was like, ah, he's fine. You know, he's chill. I'll just be over here looking for my fish. And it's gotten to the point where now I almost always dive with somebody who's been certified. And now that I find people that are more and more certified, it's just kind of like, oh, I know you take safety as seriously as I do. I don't care enough about fish to not come home. <laughs> like, as much as like, I know there could be some some risks associated, but it's like, if I didn't, at least if I'm going to go out, I want to say I tried to be safe, you know? And that's why I like, like with Ryan, you know, some bad things happen, but he, he at least was diving with certified people. He knew the risks. So I, I'm just like, to the guys who are just like, go wing it. It's too dangerous to wing it. You can mess up and bad things happen when you aren't winging it. So why be in the camp of like not trying to be better? So yeah, no, I, I think everybody should be certified. How, how can people find out more information about this? So there will be in the next week or so, the application will be online on, on the OC Spiros webpage. In the meantime, what they can do is uh, follow the OC Spiros and Friends Facebook page. Uh, we'll be posting notifications there. They can always check in on the ocspiros.org webpage as well uh, for updates. But really the most efficient way to, to keep an eye on, on when things are coming out will be through through the Facebook page. And Diane had mentioned the, uh, the fundraiser auction, that, or excuse me, uh, raffle that's gonna be coming up here in the beginning of November. Keep an eye out for that. And um, we'll have an applications up soon. Diane, is there anything um, else you'd like to share? I think, I think that covers it. I mean, um, just kind of bouncing off of what we were talking about as far as educating yourself. I mean, why not take that extra step to be just a little safer than you currently are? I mean, I know a lot of people out there who think they know what they're doing and they know they're being safe, um, but the ocean has so much to offer. And, and I mean, it's an infinite, you know, experience to learn from and there's a lot of unexpected things. So I think just arming yourself with that knowledge, um, you can't go wrong. I mean, and even speaking as the wife of a spear fisherman, I mean, I think even for families to have some of the knowledge and learn more about this as well. I mean, I wish I knew a little bit more prior to, you know, before this happened um, and I could have talked to him about it or maybe I wouldn't have been so annoyed at how much the, the certification class cost or, you know, um, so I, I think educating not only, you know, you know, spearos and spear fishermen and spear women, but, you know, their families as well. I, I think it's, uh, you know, it'll help give a little bit of comfort to the people who are waiting for you to come home. Yeah. <laughs> I just have one more thing to the people who might not take the class just yet and they're going to go to lobster opener. What, Brett, what do we, what safety tips do we got? to at least have them do a quick refresher before they get in the water. Yeah, John, that's a good point. I, I covered it a little bit before I did a podcast with um, Robert Payne right after uh, Ryan's accident. And I kind of talked about it and I learned a lot of this stuff from diving in bad days at work and diving around line and all this stuff. And the biggest thing is you don't, you want to minimize the amount of stuff you have on you. And that includes anything on your weight belt other than weights and your knife. Make sure you have your knife 
properly like hidden so nothing gets snagged on it and I don't dive with a bag I'll clip my bag on a float to be honest even after all these years I get anxiety like when I have even I put a fish stringer on my waist I don't and because I have been tangled up at work because of certain situations but I don't want anything on me that's gonna cause a loss of concentration like that extra make make you stay that extra five seconds at the bottom or that is gonna make me nervous where I can't even dive that good it's just not worth it and you want to streamline yourself as much as possible and the other thing is um, go with your buddy one up one down and the reason why you guys lobster season there's boats everywhere everybody's gonna be out there it's nighttime bring cam lights with you just be aware right because there's nothing worth I think we've all been there when you go down and you hear like a boat and you're like oh dang when do I come up or am I gonna come up and get hit and it's nice to have a buddy over you that can either help signal the guy or you know let you know uh, via friggin pulling on the line that you're going down if you have to uh, just to let you know give you an extra set of eyes and the you know again the biggest thing is those bags are great. I know exactly what the Merc uh, Mutiny Dive Co. bags. They're awesome for the lobster. You get they don't hang it up in there at all. But those that big large mesh tends to snag on things more firmly. I will say than the smaller mesh net. The smaller mesh net seems like it snags on a lot stuff, but it just kind of drags and comes off. The big mesh mesh stuff seems to really hold on. And this isn't bashing anybody's products or anything like that. I just prefer any bag. I just clip it to the float, bottom line, and be safe, right? It's not worth it. Go out for lobster in the day. Little, little trade secret. There are lobster out there in the day. And the reason why I'm going to get into it, okay, is because if anybody's ever pig hunted, pigs hunt, pigs like get down in the wallow in the day and they stay hunkered down. So do the lobster. So if you can find something other than the jetty where the holes they're hiding in, you can go there and find five lobster on one little rock and if you go there at night, because I've experienced this myself, they're out. They're out and about, and it's hard to get them. When they're on the rock, they stay there. They think they're safe, and you can get all five of them. Okay? <laughs> That's all I got. That's my little tidbit. Okay? And if anybody has any questions, and I'm dead serious, hit me up on social media, Spear Factor, whatever the hell. Just hit me up, and I'll help you out. I'm, you know, I don't know everything, but I know a lot of guys that know a lot of stuff, and uh, I've had a lot of experience, and I'll share anything I have with you guys. That's it. Perfect. Brad, do you got anything else? Yeah, just reiterate the, uh, the dive bag on your float. I, I started diving like that last year, and I will admit that the first five or six dives, I hated it. It was a pain in the ass. I thought, there's no way this is going to stick. And after those five or six dives, you forget about it. And now, now you realize, like Brett said, you're more streamlined. You're, you're not thinking about that extra weight around your waist. You're now able to control your buoyancy. You know, once you put seven bugs, you know, in a bag on your waist, let's call them even like a two pound bug, All right? You've just added 14 pounds to your weight belt that probably had 14 pounds on it to begin with. So you're no longer positively buoyant anywhere. You've also got that mesh bag where, you know, little lobster legs or big lo lobster legs are poking out of and grabbing hold of anything that you get by. And they will. They will grab hold and snag you on things. Um, so it's the, the bag on your float is big. Also, uh, communicate with your dive partner. Talk to them about what the plan is. Talk to them about where you're going to be diving, what direction. 
discuss a reasonable interval of time where, you know, like, hey, if we haven't talked every five minutes and given a okay, you know, let's talk, let's shout at each other, shine the light, have have uh, some light signals, you know, like I, I'm flashing my light three times means this, you know, come up with your own language. So you guys are able to discuss, you know, keep in contact and know what's going on. Three flashing lights means a boat coming, you know, so just to, just talk and streamline. Thanks guys. Diane, thank you for sharing your story. Thank Brad, you. thanks for helping get this fund up and running. And Brett, thanks for being the old salty dog who uh, bloomed into a butterfly and is now certified. <laughs> I don't know about that. that losing hair. I don't know. Hey, come on. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'll put I'll put the show notes and, and links to the shirts and the fund in my um on my podcast. And I'm assuming Brett, you'll do the same. Absolutely. Yep. Perfect, guys. It's been a pleasure. Cool. Thank you guys. Thanks, I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity having us on here. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank okay. you, Diane. No, oh, thank you. Thank you for listening to the story and, you know, just helping promote safety and, and, and the fund as well. <laughs> just want to thank Diane again for meeting with us and uh, being strong to try to take a, a negative and turn it into a positive. I really enjoyed um, this conversation we had and hopefully we can help uh, get some people some classes and hopefully minimize um, the deaths in our sport as best as we can. So if you guys want to give, please feel free. All right. Thank you. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Tune in to West Marines Life on the Water, presented by Costa Custom Boats, every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.